Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. I don't know how many of you uh, pay attention to the sermon titles in the bulletin that we put in there, but you might notice uh, this morning uh, our message. We are doing a series on spiritual disciplines. Last week we talked about Bible reading and study. Next week it will be on prayer. And today is on, uh, you'll notice it says meditation, musing, and murmuring. Maybe you've never thought about murmuring as a spiritual discipline. Okay? Um, but we're going to see if we can uh, sort that out this morning. And uh, really our, our talk this morning is on, our sermon today is on meditation as a spiritual discipline. So let's pray. Father, as we open your word and we look to you for guidance from your word and pray that our hearts will be open to your word. Uh, may we live by your word and may it be used to draw us closer to you, understand you better and how we should live. In Christ's name, amen. I'd like you to open your Bibles to the 119th Psalm, uh, Psalm 1, I'm sorry, Psalm 1, sorry about that, Psalm 1, just plain old Psalm 1, in the very beginning of this uh, book of Psalms. Psalm 119 is a book that, uh, a chapter that goes along with our study from the Word of God, of course, as well. Psalm chapter 1 is a uh, pretty well-known psalm and uh, one that appropriately starts out, uh, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked, They are like the shaft that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor cedars in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked perish. Now, this topic of meditation is one that, for some people, um, can be kind of controversial. In fact, there are those who react the moment we say we're going to talk about meditation. Because um, in our culture today, we hear a lot about transcendental meditation and meditation connected with Eastern uh, religions and so forth. I really don't want to speak so much about that. I'm not an expert on that. I really haven't studied it that much. Uh, what I want to talk about, though, is a concept from the Bible because this word meditate, which I just read to you from Psalm chapter 1, has been part of our Christian, actually the Jewish and Christian communities' vocabulary for thousands of years, literally. It's a valid biblical word, the word meditate. And what I want to look at this morning is how we understand this from the biblical perspective. What does the word meditate mean to us, and how might this be part of our spiritual disciplines? The author here says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, the the word here for um, meditate is a Hebrew word, haggah. Nice thing about Hebrew, uh, well, it's a a complicated language to learn. Uh, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. It takes a lot of study, a lot of, um, you know, for one thing, it, it writes 
uh, right to left, which you have to remember when you're trying to read it. And there's all sorts of other technicalities. But the one nice thing about it is every Hebrew word is built on a three-letter root. So it doesn't matter if the word has eight letters in it. You can get it down to a three-letter root, which will tell you the core meaning of that word. Uh, the rest of it has to do with um, the gender, the number, the verb form, and all these different things. Uh, but it's a three-letter root. And in this case, the three-letter root that's used here in Psalm is H-G-H. Those are the three consonants, H-G-H. And with the vowels, it's Hagah. And it's the word that we translate, the word meditate. If I were to ask you today, if we were in a little smaller setting, I asked you to turn to people, maybe groups of two or three, and how would you define meditation? What does that mean to you? What does the word meditate mean to us, and how might it find a place in our lives? Meditate. Well, it's interesting, as I, as I, I enjoyed this study this week, and I, I learned some new things I had really hadn't given a lot of thought to, and that's why I've got that kind of odd sermon title there. Because I want to show you, oftentimes, when it, well, not oftentimes, all the time, when it comes to a word used in the Bible, what can throw some light on it is how it's used in other places in the Scripture. Because as we see that, it helps us to understand some of the, the variety, just like in our English language. You know, words have elasticity. Uh, sometimes we say this word always means this. Well, in certain contexts, we may find it's a little bit elastic in, in what it means. And I'd like you to look at a couple of uh, scriptures with me. I'll actually put these up here. Um, Psalm chapter 90 and verse 9 from the ESV version. Um, Psalm 90 verse 9 says this. This is one of those passages that talks about the brevity of life. And, you know, the Old Testament has a lot of language about the fact that our, our, our life is like a flower that's here today and gone tomorrow. Um, if that's all that there was, it'd be kind of discouraging. But then he goes on to say, but the love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. And so even though that the reality is our life is brief, um, and yet there is eternity and God's love is forever. But in this particular passage, he says, for all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. Some of the translations have like a moan. And it's, and it's the root here, H-G-H, is the word meditate. You can put the word meditate in there. When I come to the end of my life, if I'm in a situation where I'm not you know, killed suddenly or something, but when I come to the end of my life, and I have been with many people in this situation, and probably you have too, um, there is this, this sort of an end of life and sometimes kind of a sigh, kind of a, a moan. And that's really what the word is used here. It's an, it's an audible word. We come to the end of our life and we end our life like a moan, like a sigh. Uh, the next verse I'd like us to look at, from Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 14. Uh, the prophet Isaiah says, I cried like a swift, uh, or, um, I think it's or thrush, sorry about that. <laughs> I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned, like a mourning dove, like a mourning dove, and not so much a mourning dove, like an early morning, but a dove that is mourning. I moaned like a mourning dove. It's an audible sound. It's a moan. It's a murmur. It's uh, maybe an in, maybe it's an in, not an intelligible, like the, Paul tells us in Romans 8, that, that sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself takes our groanings which cannot be uttered. They're, they're not intelligible, 
because we can't put them in the Word, but there are groanings, and, and the Holy Spirit translates those for the Godhead. And this is our word here, meditate, Hagah, is used here for moaning. And so we see that the, that the word meditate has an audible sense to it, of, and it's used in the Bible in, in more places than this, of a moaning or a groan, kind of a, a muttering, a, a, low, a low, you know, kind of a moaning or uh, muttering, almost um, speaking to yourself. And that leads us to the next one. Psalm chapter 71, verse 24. The psalmist says, my tongue will tell, in the translations, most of your translations will have something like this, will tell or speak. My tongue will tell or speak of your righteous acts all day long. And it's the word meditate again. So clearly, it's an, this is audible in a sense, or, or spoken somehow, that my tongue will meditate, if you will. My tongue will meditate of your righteous acts all day long, all day long. And so this idea of, of murmuring, of moaning, of telling, of speaking goes along with this word, meditate. You know, um, you can almost, yesterday we were, Teresa and I were up in Greenwood and we were walking back from the coffee shop and I was standing there reading a sign in the, uh, there's a little classical guitar store up there and I was reading a poster about a concert coming up or something. She'd crossed the street and was waiting for me. And when I got there, she says, why were you, why were you moving your lips? Were you talking to yourself? You know, or something. You know? And I didn't realize I was, but I guess I was. I was talking to myself. I was reading this concert to myself. I wasn't reading it to anybody else, and no one else heard me, but I was speaking. I was moaning, murmuring. I was, in a sense, meditating. I was talking, but not really to anybody. I was just reading the sign. You know, these days, you know, it used to be if you walked down the street and you passed somebody talking audibly to themselves, it would get your attention. Now we just assume what? They've got a Bluetooth in their ear, yeah. And uh, the person next to you in the car might be just yakking away, yelling at somebody, and just, it's a Bluetooth. Um, but this idea of talking to yourself, of talking to yourself, of, of murmuring, that's part of the idea here of meditating. You might think, well, how does that fit with meditating? Now, again... If we were to talk of transcendental meditation, where apparently the idea is more to, to empty your mind and be able to focus and empty it of everything, we have here this idea of murmuring, of talking, of moaning, of making sounds. And then we have Psalm 92, 3. To the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. Now, those are, those are instruments, Old Testament instruments. You know, the lyre, um, a, a string instrument, correct, Faith? Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the harp and the, you know, these Old Testament instruments. But you notice there the word melody. It's, it's translated melody, and whatever it is in your translation, something like that. It's, the, it's Hagah. It's the word meditate. So I want you to see from this that how this, and this is just a sampling. You could, you could look this up in a concordance and you'll find, if you just look up the word meditate, you're not going to find all these. If you were to look it up in the, in the Hebrew, all of a sudden you have this whole list of words and, and, and they're different. They're, I mean, some of these are, you know, are longer words than Haggah because they have the different endings and so on, but it's the same root. And you'll find this throughout the Old Testament, that this word is used for what we might think of, of just thinking. I'm thinking of that, that statue of, you know, the thinker, 
you know? I know I don't look like the thinker, but, you know, you've, you've seen that one, you know, where he's just thinking and is kind of associated with philosophy. And oftentimes to us, meditation somehow indicates just thinking nothing. But we see here in the Bible that this Hebrew word is used for what we might think of classically just contemplating. It's also used of, in fact, the actual root meaning of the word, if you look in the Hebrew uh, lexicons, the actual root meaning really is murmuring or making a low sounds. That's the actual root meaning of the word. Making a, you know, talking to yourself, kind of making a murmuring low sound. It can also be used for speaking, and it can be used for music. Um, it's, it's the sound of a dove making its cooing sounds, the morning dove. This is a word that, that obviously has to do with more than just thinking. So as we think about this word, I want you to think about Psalm 19.14, a very well-known passage of Scripture. Psalm 19.14, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Hebrew, in the Psalms and in the poetic sections of, 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 of the Hebrew Bible, you have this poetry and, and something is said and then it is said again. And we have here the meditation of my heart, the words of my mouth and the inaudible expressions that go with it. May this all be pleasing unto you. You'll notice that when you go back to Psalm chapter 1, that you'll notice the strong connection. And this is something you will see as the word meditate is used in the Old Testament. And you'll notice I'm talking primarily about the Old Testament today. This is a very strong Old Testament thought, but we will see it connected to the New Testament. But I want you to notice that in Psalm chapter 1, that in verse 2, first of all, he says, the man who doesn't do these wicked things. This wonderful thing about the Bible is that it doesn't just tell you what not to do. It tells you what to do. You know, the Apostle Paul says, take off and put on. Take off the old, put on the new. If you used to steal, stop stealing and work with your hands so you can give to those who have need. It, it suggests to you what you can do instead of what you just don't do. And the psalmist here says, the, the man is blessed who doesn't do these things, but here's what he does do. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And you will find this strong connection in the Old Testament with the idea of God's word and meditation. There is a very strong connection. Now here, of course, he talks about the law of the God. That's the, the Torah, the five books of Moses, which is what, what they had available when, when David wrote this. You know, he had the five books of Moses, was the core of, their, of their, their Jewish life, of God's revelation. The rest of it is being added, even as he writes Scripture. But this word meditate is connected with God's word. And in his law does he meditate Day and night. Notice that. Day and night. Now, you know, you might think to yourself, well, David was a shepherd, right? Um, when he wrote this, if, if, you know, if this is David, when he wrote this, you know, we don't know exactly, sure, and so on, but David wrote a lot of the Psalms. Uh, assume David wrote this, and uh, he's a shepherd. So David has all sorts of time to sit around and, that you don't have, 
that he has all sorts of time to sit around and just think about God's word all day long, right? How many of you were raised in a farm? Few of you. How, how much time did you have on your farm to sit around all day long and just think about things? Taking care of the sheep. And when, when you were taking care of the sheep, you had time to do that. Because the sheep didn't need much care. Only when they ran away. Only when they ran away. Okay. <laughs> How many sheep did you have? Maybe 50 to 100. 50 to 100. So when they ran away, Al had to quit reading and go take care of the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> David is a shepherd. And even though um, Al's making it sound really simple too, um, I assume there are some other things involved, like making sure the sheep move to feeding pasture. Um, I'm not sure about Minnesota, but in the Middle East, there are wild prey trying to eat your sheep. I'm not sure in Minnesota what would be trying to eat your sheep. Dog. Dog, okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, David's got, uh, David's got, and he's got to sleep at night. He's got to work and take care of sheep. And, but, but think of this, David as a shepherd, he says, day and night. How can you meditate on God's word day and night? Does he mean all day and all night? Or does he mean that there are times in the daytime and times in the nighttime that I meditate on God's word? Taking care of sheep when you have a chance, when they're grazing and it's a peaceful scene to read and to contemplate and to think about God's word. Always. How did David do this? David did not carry around with him, I can guarantee you, as we talked about in our class this morning, as I showed you the Bible I had last week, I can guarantee you, David did not carry around with him the rolls of Torah scroll when he was taking care of sheep and sit down and roll out those scrolls and read those. How did he meditate on God's word day and night? We're going to see in a little bit where Joshua is told the same thing. Meditate on this. Meditate on it day and night. Always think about it. You know, you've seen pictures of, of um, observant Jews, Orthodox observant Jews, with the, what we call the Teflon. And it's a little box that's on your wrist. It's a little box that's here on your forehead. And that comes from a literal application of the Scriptures where, where uh, Moses says, write them on, write them on your, your wrists, your hands, write them on your foreheads, keep them in front of you all day long. And the idea about that is, if you have a box tied to your forehead with a little bit of scripture that's tucked inside of it, every place you go, you're going to see that box. It's always in your sight. Every time you use your right hand, you're going to see that box. And it's to serve as a reminder because in that box is a little piece of scroll with scripture on it. And that, this idea that it's, it's always in front of you. But what I want to suggest to you this morning, here's what I want to suggest to you. We talk about meditation, and we might, we may um, sort of uh, hesitate on that word to think, well, that sounds like something that goes along with uh, Eastern religion, you know, and, and those kind of things and, and so forth. The Bible concept of meditation, number one, is clearly connected to the Bible, is clearly connected to the Word of God. Secondly, it has to do with talk, talking to yourself speaking to yourself, repeating, murmuring, mulling over, musing over. How do you do that? And I want to make a suggestion to you today. 
When it comes to spiritual disciplines, if you would like meditation to be a part of your life, I want to suggest to you that memorizing Scripture is the key to biblical meditation, to memorizing God's Word. David memorized the Word of God. The Old Testament prophets, they memorized the Word of God. The Old Testament children, the Apostle Paul, the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter, John, raised in a culture, they memorized God's Word. What do you do when you memorize the Scripture? Now, I, I, I could almost say, we could almost call this really today to the lost art of memorization. Because many of us grew up in an era where Bible memory work was a real important part of our upbringing. I don't think it's quite as much today. I have to admit, I don't memorize like I did when I was a child. Um, you know, we don't do that as much today. But when you stop and think, when you memorize, maybe some of you memorize the Gettysburg Address. You know, how do you memorize something like that? You, don't, you know, you don't just sit and empty your mind and just think nothing. What do you do? You read it over. You go over section by section. You go over line by line. You go over word by word. You repeat it to yourself. I mean, you can't memorize without talking to yourself. You know, whether it's audibly or just internally, you have to talk to yourself to memorize. You have to repeat it. You have to think about it. You have to go over it. You have to correct it. You have to go over it and do it again. And you have to talk to yourself. You have to murmur, muse, meditate in order to memorize anything. And I want to suggest to you that if we want meditation to be a part of our lives, I think we should involve ourselves in memorizing Scripture. All of us can do it. If you can read, and even if you can't read, if you're not able physically to read, you have recorded words of God. It's so easy to get today. All of us can memorize. There's not a person here, whatever age you are, that couldn't begin to memorize some Scripture and meditate on God's Word. To think of what comes to your mind and if you wake up at 3 in the morning, and you think about God, you meditate. Isn't it the scriptures? Isn't it the songs? As you pray, these thoughts come to you that you and, and you can go over them in your mind and in your head. The, 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 the psalmist says that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You know what's interesting? The Hebrew word here actually is transplanted. It's transplanted. It's like taking a tree that's in a dry and, and dusty place, or buying a tree at a nursery that's only going to last so long in that pot. In order for it to grow and flourish, it has to be transplanted. Yesterday we were working in our yard and we transplanted some raspberry shoots that were over here growing where they shouldn't be and put them in where the raspberries are. I bought a tomato plant and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transplant it and put it in the garden. That's the word here in the Hebrew. He shall be like a tree that is transplanted. It's taken from one location and instead, it is, it is planted next to the river. Because near the river, there is going to be a constant and ample water supply for the roots for that tree to grow and for that tree to flourish. And the, the comparison is putting yourself next to God's Word. Putting yourself next to God's Word is like being transplanted next to the source that will enable you to grow 
and flourish. Putting yourself next to God's word will put yourself next to God as we learn it and as we understand it and as we meditate upon it. He shall be like a tree transplanted by the rivers of water that brings forth its, his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. This is for the person, the man or woman, who meditates on the word of God. Now in the New Testament, it's interesting, this word meditate does not show up that much. But there is a place where actually it does show up. If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, 15. 1 Timothy chapter 1, 15. You can look up there. You'll notice that in this particular passage where Paul is talking to Timothy, it's a pastoral epistle, and he's, and he's telling Timothy to, to pay attention to what, to what, what has been given him. And, he, and he, he reminds him in verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength. He considered me faithful, appointed me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and, a, and so forth. And then he goes and he says, um, that this grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. And then verse 15, which I got in the wrong spot here. I think it's 4.15. It's connecting these passages from chapter 1 where Paul, excuse me, 1 Timothy 4.15, but it is the right verse up on the board here on the screen, that where Paul talks about what he once was and what he has turned into by God's grace. And then he tells Timothy what, what God has given to you, just like with me, what God has given to you. And in verse 14, don't neglect your gift. This is, I have not neglected my gift. And then finally in verse 15, 415, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so everyone may see your progress. And the word here that is, that is translated to, to, to give yourself wholly to them is, is the word that is the Greek word that's used to translate Hagah in the Old Testament. And so Paul says here to, to be diligent, to be disciplined, to meditate, give yourself over to the things that have been given to you, Timothy. Think about them, give yourself over to them, and you'll find the focus in First and Second Timothy on the word of God. To do this and to be diligent, it's a discipline to give yourself wholly to them. Meditate, muse, think about. You know, in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, as Joshua is ready to take over from Moses, you know, it's quite an ominous task that Joshua had. Uh, Moses was gone. He was the leader who they had been following and, and, and revering and uh, looking up to, and, and he was gone. And Joshua now has this task of taking these people to the promised land. He has to take them across the Jordan River and they have to conquer these enemy cities and take over this land. And notice in the first chapter, God's instruction to Joshua. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. From your mouth. Meditate on it. Muse on it. Murmur it. Moan it. Speak it. Meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And I want you to notice the connection between meditate, memorize, know God's word, and then think about it, muse on it, murmur to yourself God's word. And notice the connection between that and then do it and live it. Paul tells the Romans in chapter 12 and verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So often we know, what is God's will for your life? What is God's will for my life? What does God want you to do? Listen, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a discipline here. And I want to suggest to you, friends, that meditation is really connected with the scriptures. And that we can meditate by memorizing the word of God. And by memorizing God's word and then contemplating it, thinking it, speaking it to ourselves, musing, murmuring, meditating, using God's word is connected, as I showed you, with speaking, with music, with moaning. This is the complete opposite. This is the complete opposite of transcendental meditation. This is directed meditation. It's directed through God's word to him. So I want to ask you this week, in terms of a spiritual discipline, are you willing, are you able to memorize God's word? It's not complicated. You don't have, you don't have to memorize the whole book of Romans. If you can, that's great. But could you start somewhere? Could you start with the first psalm? You know, the, the psalms are written in a, in, in a poetic fashion that lend themselves to memorizing. Could you, could you memorize Psalm 1? Could you memorize part of Psalm 1? Maybe you already know Psalm 1. Could you memorize part or all of Psalm 2? Could you memorize Romans 12, 1 and 2? Maybe you already have Romans 12, 1 and 2 memorized. Are there more portions of that chapter you could add to it? You know, as, as we memorize, for me, the best way is to, is to take a card, a 3 by 5 or something, and handwrite it out. Handwrite the, the, the verse out. There's something about handwriting. There's something about that. I mentioned to you last week that the, the kings of Israel were, were told by God to, to, to take and write their own copy of the, of the books of the Torah before they took office to, re, to remind them. It took a long time to write the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy by hand in Hebrew. But to write it out. Could you write out a verse could you go over it? Could you talk to yourself about it? Could you memorize it? And then could you allow that verse to be part of your life? Could we disconnect just a little bit? We live in an age and an era where we are a little bit overconnected. I have a smartphone as well, and when it beeps or vibrates or whatever it does, you know, um, we, we, are, we right away go to it. We have to see what it is. We can't, you know, whatever it is, we've got to, we've got to get to it. It could be a Facebook, it could be a messaging, it could be whatever, it could be an announcement, it could be anything. Uh, we're so connected, but are we willing to take a little time and give a little discipline to God's Word? And would, could we disconnect for just a little bit each day and spend a little time focusing on God's Word, committing it to memory, and then musing about it? talking to ourselves about it, thinking about it, and allowing it to draw our hearts and attention to God. Um, I'm going to do that this week. I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to memorize. Uh, I have memorized Psalm 1 years ago, but I could not quote it all to you right now. I'm going to work on that this week. Um, I'm going to be on an airplane all night, Monday night, going to Michigan for uh, the, the leadership conference. I'll be back on Friday. Um, so I got a lot of time on the airplane where I'm sure I will not sleep between here in Minneapolis at three in the morning, um, and I'm going to work on that. Uh, I'm going to do that. What about you? 
Could you memorize a little section of scripture this week? Maybe this is something new for you. It's not hard. It's not hard. And could you think about it? And could you disconnect a little bit and allow God to use that to draw your heart and your attention to him? This is what the biblical understanding of meditation is. It is directed through God's word to God. It is speaking to yourself, musing, murmuring, and meditating on God's word as we speak it to ourselves and allow it to bring our hearts to God to consider him and what he would have for us. That's a spiritual discipline I would like you to consider to be part of your lives, not legalistically, but to consider it as part of your lives this week. Every one of us can do this. It's not complicated. Let's close our service in our final song. Every Wednesday night, we have our Wednesday night clubs, and we have lots of children, a lot of your children, grandchildren. My children were raised in our club program here, and my grandchildren now. Our Awana program, we mentioned last week, approved workmen are not ashamed. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Built around the word of God. Our Pioneer Club program, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Built around the word of God. We teach our children that. We ask them to memorize. We ask them to learn God's word. We ask them to consider it. What about us as parents and adults? Uh, if, you like, if you have your electronic device, you, know, you can even set yourself a reminder. You can send yourself a text. You can send yourself a message. How about the verse you're going to memorize? Why don't you send yourself a text and remind yourself? Remind yourself daily. Let's look to God's word. Let's put it in our heart. And let's allow it to draw us to him as we walk with him. Father, we thank you for your uh, love for us, your amazing love. We thank you for a place we can come and worship freely to open your word, to sing your praises, to teach our children and young people. And Father, I just pray that uh, as I spend time in your word this week, as I memorize once again that first psalm, that it would be used to draw my heart to you day and night, and that I would be faithful, Lord, as pastor here, to, to, to put your word in my heart and to consider you and amuse and murmur to myself and talk to myself and to speak to myself your word to allow it to draw me into your presence. And then, as you told Joshua, do this so that you might live and walk with me. And that we might do what the Apostle Paul said, Father, that we might not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so we may know what you would have us to do even this day and this week. In Christ's name we pray, amen.